When we came back by around eight o'clock at night, we had the whole place to ourselves. We saw not one other person. The parking lot was completely empty. <laughs> we, we wandered and explored and it was just so special and beautiful. Watched the sunset from there. It was really quite lovely. It's one of the most special points in the whole visit of the park. Hello and welcome to Safe Travels. I am your host, Damien. The Safe Travels podcast is about finding expert advice so that you can enjoy worry-free travels. You just heard my guest, Alicia Philly. Today, we're gonna to be talking about tips for visiting the national park. She has a bunch of tips specifically related to coronavirus. Alicia visited with her family. She has insights into safety measures and mask usage at the parks. She has some great tips about when to go to avoid the crowds and just a great overview of what it's like right now to visit a national park. It's a pretty short show. There will be show notes available. You can visit our Twitter feed at Safe Travels FM to find that. Please enjoy. Alicia, thank you very much for joining today. Well, you're so welcome. I'm happy to talk with you. Would you mind introducing yourself to the audience so they can understand who you are and what you do? Absolutely. My name is Alicia Philly, and I am the founder of The Healthy Hiker, a program that trains women to conquer their dream trail. I am also a physical therapist with 30 years of experience and an internationally published health and fitness writer. And we're talking today about national parks. You've been out on the road, you've visited some national parks, and we wanted to get some insights into what's actually going on in regards to coronavirus. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so many people are looking to do things like that, things that are domestic and car-based, but I think there's a lot of assumptions, so we'd love to get your insights about what's going on out there. So when you were planning, what factors went into making the decision to take that trip? Okay. Well, we have a, I'm based in Texas, but we have a summer home in Utah where we spend most of the summer. So we were looking for a place that we could visit where we could um, safely drive in one day. And we also wanted to be outdoors where we love being outdoors. And we wanted to be in an area where we had some control over our exposure to others. And we wanted to be somewhere where we could kind of roam and explore. And so we settled upon traveling up to Yellowstone National Park, as well as the Grand Tetons. And then we did spend quite a bit of time in the Wasatch National Forest and the Uinta National Forest as well. Okay. So you mentioned you planned it as a one-day drive. Were there other steps that you took in planning your visit in regards to COVID? Yeah. Well, one of the things we did was we brought with us as much non-perishable food as we were able to, because we just didn't we, where we were was unknown and where we were going was an unknown. So we wanted, again, to just be able to control as much as we could. So we brought most of our non-perishable food with us. And then when we got there and um, we knew that there would be a grocery store, you know, that we could hit nearby and we had a very specific list so that we could just pop in and pop out and get what we needed that was maybe perishable. We could stock up there. So that was just kind of something that we paid a little bit more attention to than we usually do when we go on a road trip. And then of course we had appropriate clothing for inclement weather situations so that we wouldn't get stuck having to seek shelter somewhere. You know, we wanted to make sure that we were appropriately attired and had the resources that we needed so that we wouldn't have to crowd into a place if the weather turned on us. And uh, of course, we had plenty of masks. And we researched what the regulations were for the towns that we were staying in as well as, as for the parks. Okay. And stops along the way, what was the general condition of mask usage and things like that? How did you feel about that? We actually stopped at the state-run rest stops. That felt pretty comfortable and safe for us. It was very much in line with whatever that state's regulations were. So there was plexiglass in front of the information desk. There was uh, social distancing markers for lines for the restroom. And so that felt very uh, safe and controlled. Okay. And then did you have to deal with some state restrictions 
you mentioned that. So a lot of states have different things going on. So how did you deal with planning that and making sure you knew what was going on? Well, we just, we looked ahead of time and uh, the places that we were visiting, we were there in July. And so things were pretty, there were more recommendations than there were requirements. Let's just put it that way. Okay. It's changing so quickly that I'm sure it was quite different back then. So as far as lodging, can you talk a bit more about what you chose for lodging and what went into those decisions? Sure. I have a a family of six. We have four kids and we chose to stay in an Airbnb or VRBO just so that, again, we would have more control over our environment. We would have control over our food preparation and control over the environment in which we were staying. So we were able to go in and, and communicate with the people that we are staying, who own the property or who manage the property, communicate with them prior to find out what their regulations were, what their cleaning procedures were. One of them actually even left wipes for us to continue to use on high traffic areas like doorknobs and things like that. So we were able to go in and and just do our, even though I've really felt like they had done a great job sanitizing the uh, property, we were able to go in and just do that, that quick once over, you know, that just makes you feel doubly reassured. Right. And so that's why we chose that type of lodging. And then when you're, you know, when you're in a, a contained home environment, then you aren't seeing people, passing people and dealing with elevators or in you know, breakfast areas or lobby areas or things like that. So for us, for a big family, that just made sense for us. Right. And did the the property owner specify about what extra steps they had taken in cleaning? Yes, they did. They did. They talked about their sanitization procedures. Many of them had, although I know there are, you know, those regulations for rental properties are pretty stringent in most places, but I think it's just the property owners probably are now just letting everybody know what they what they're actually doing because most of those have requirements just like a hotel that you're doing your laundry for your linens and such in places where they're sanitizing it and things like that so they were just able to lay that out and outline it for us so that we could be extra assured right sounds like a lot of extra information just so that you do that's very helpful exactly so then once you got to the parks what sort of requirements did they have? We went to Yellowstone first. And uh, again, they really were had more recommendations, but not requirements. So we did see a lot of signs that uh, reminded people about social distancing, that recommended mask wear and frequent hand washing. But we didn't see any park rangers, reinf- you know, enforcing those kinds of things or any anybody monitoring if those recommendations were being followed. Okay. And in general, what were people doing? Were they complying or was it a mix? You know, it was kind of a mixed bag. There were some who were and some who weren't. And, mm. you know, it just, uh, again, when you're when they're recommendations and not requirements or regulations, I think people have that option. So they were exercising their options. And then how did you feel personally about it? Where did, did you feel like you were able to control your environment enough where you felt comfortable? Well, I did. And um, one of the ways we did that is we just sort of had a different strategy about how we were going to visit the parks. Our strategy was to take advantage of the long summer days and go out early and stay late. So for instance, the first evening when we got there, we got settled, hit that quick grocery store run, had dinner, and then it was about seven o'clock. 
and we still had a good two, two and a half hours of daylight left, we went into the park. So we went right into Yellowstone. Of course, my children are older and so they can stay up later, but I understand with families with younger children, that might be, you know, unless you can get them to take a nice nap in the middle of the day, that might be difficult. But we went into the park late and we hit Old Faithful and we hit Grand Prismatic Springs and we hit a gift shop and we had very little trouble distancing ourselves and being socially, definitely socially distant from people at these very popular attractions. So that was kind of, that was kind of our strategy to control our environment. And, you know, some of those things are, unfortunately, you get to the national park and you have a checklist and you just, you can't go into Yellowstone and not see Old Faithful, but we knew we, we just wanted to see it. So it wasn't a place we wanted to spend a whole lot of time at so that you can hit those things really quickly if you are doing it off hours. Yeah, that's definitely one of those must-sees. So that's a good measurement. Old Faithful is usually packed. It's, yeah. There's a schedule for when Old Faithful <laughs> goes off. So people are really gathered around. We were there last year, and I think there's a big wooden walkway around it, probably six, eight, maybe 10 people deep in certain areas. So that's the normal Old Faithful. Can you describe what you saw in the evening hours? How was it then? Yes. I think they have like bleachers or benches set up around it. And those were moderately full. People were sitting, I wouldn't say squeezed in shoulder to shoulder, but they were they were pretty full. And so we were able to take advantage of stepping back off of that wooden walkway. And there was plenty of extra additional seating around on other benches and logs and such. And we were able to, you know, get close enough for us to take good pictures and to see it and enjoy it and still be really sitting off by ourselves. Okay. Sounds but again, like again, this was this was probably at eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. Okay. Well, that's a good that's a good indicator though. And then in general, other places, how large were crowds? Have have you been before where you know what it's usually like? And how would you gauge the crowd size? Right. I had not been before, but I will tell you that there were plenty of times when we went by a parking lot at an attraction, you know, in the park and the parking lot was full and people were lined up down the street, you know, cars were lined up down the street. And when we, when we encountered that, we just kept driving and it was just one of the things that we would come back to. So one of the places where that happened was the uh, artist paint pots, which are these, these great big mud pits that are different colors and they're bubbling. And uh, it's about a mile long trail, a mostly wooden walkway. And the parking lot was open overflowing when we went by mid-morning. When we came back by around eight o'clock at night, we had the whole place to ourselves. We saw not one other person. The parking lot was completely empty. <laughs> we we wandered and explored and it was just so special and beautiful. Watch the sunset from there. It was really quite lovely. It's one of the most special points in the whole visit of the park. So it would have been a very different experience had we stopped when the parking lot was full. Right. Uh, I think the evening, that's a great tip. Everyone's gone by then. And if you can catch it when there's nobody around like that, it really, really changes things. So that's a great idea. Then how about Teton? Was it similar as far as crowds and masks and all of that stuff? Yes, it really was. Again, it was just mostly recommendations, not necessarily requirements. Again, the the popular sites are popular. <laughs> mm-hmm. So another one of the tips, one of the, our strategies was to do some hikes that were less popular. And sometimes those are the longer and more strenuous types of experiences. My family was ready for that kind of thing. So we were able to enjoy some off the beaten path kind of experiences and and stay away from the very crowded hiking areas uh, and trails. Yeah. So the other place that is really crowded is, is when there's an animal sighting. You'll be driving along the road and there'll be animals and people will 
pull over and stop and, and want to look at the animals, which is wonderful. However, sometimes people get out of the car, a lot of times they get out of the car and they want to take pictures. And then what happens is everyone sort of gets excited and they start to crowd in. And so there is very little social distancing when that happens. So that's something that you just need to think about and be be mindful of, be careful of. One of my recommendations is to bring a pair of binoculars. You can easily sit in the car or be close to your car and still get a great view without having to get right up front and center with all the other folks. We had a wonderful sighting of 399. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the female bear, grizzly bear in Grand Tetons. She goes by 399 or that's what they call her. And uh, this year she came out of hibernation with four bear cubs. So it's really extraordinary that she has these. And we were able to see her and, and we pulled off and it was a great big crowd. And the the rangers were, I think they were a bit frustrated because they have a dual job. They have to protect her from all the people that want to see her. They have to protect the crowds from a mama grizzly bear who could very easily decide this is not a good idea. And then they have to protect the crowds from each other <laughs> because of right. now because of COVID. So they have a really big job. So my other tip and suggestion is that when you come in contact with a ranger and they're giving you instruction, please be really mindful and respectful of what they're trying to do because they, they do have a real big job and they have lots of factors going into what they have to do while they're out there and what they're thinking about. Yeah, it's a good tip. It's funny because those animal sightings, it is like a mob scene. And all of a sudden, we humans get to feel a little bit what it's like because people are pulling over and then they're they're saying, why are you getting close to me? Get away from me. You're, you know, you're standing too close. So this yeah. is what the animals feel like all the time when we pull over and look at them. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Yeah, I'm sure they do. And it's it, it can be dangerous in and of itself because of that. These are wild animals. These aren't zoo animals. So they are very unpredictable. And if you get into their space or if they feel threatened in any way, they may turn and you may be in a situation. So there's that going on as well as what's going on with you in such close contact with your fellow humans. Right. Yeah. Maybe for, for listeners, think about that ahead of time. So when it happens, you see a bunch of cars pulled over and you know they're looking at something. Already have put some thought into what you're going to do in that situation because you might feel inclined to pull right over, but then you might not be very happy with the results. So that might be a good tip. And we had a we had a designated scout. So my daughter with her telephoto lens would be the one to get out and sort of kind of feel the area. If, if if the animals were close, if the if the people were too close, was it worth getting out? Could you actually see anything? You know, so before everybody piles out of the car and then you maybe have put everyone at risk, have one designated person who is responsible and cognizant of all the situations who can scout it out for you. And then they can, you know, they can turn and give you the thumbs up or the thumbs down and, right. and they can get back in the car and you drive on. Oh, that's a great idea too. So it seems like you you plan things out well and everything went well, but is there anything that you would do differently for your, your entire trip? I would have rather have had the binoculars. We didn't have the binoculars and that's something that I definitely would recommend. And uh, we did not bring our strongest telephoto lens. So that would have been a good thing. If you're a photographer, bring your telephoto lens and a tripod so that you can be safely distanced far away and still get those shots that you love because the, the animals are just simply gorgeous and it's just a beautiful opportunity to experience that. And so, you know, I think our trip really went really well. Again, we were up early, you know, because <laughs> I, I, not everyone vacations the way I vacation, but if I'm there, I want to take advantage of every moment that we're possibly there. So 
most people do vacation where they're on a little bit more of a leisurely schedule. So if you can get up early and you can get your family to buy into that, you can get out there before other people and you beat the crowd. So that's another way that we took advantage of that. And then we just packed all of our food and all of our gear with us, you know, pack more food than you think you'll need for that day. You can always bring it home and and refrigerate it or restore it. But if you have more than you need food supplies, then you can have more choices and more flexibility about what you encounter while you're out. That's great. That's some great tips. So you're also an avid hiker and you said you went on some hikes. Can you mention a couple of favorite hikes just out of curiosity? We did the Fairy Falls hike, which is usually a pretty crowded hike. It goes right past Grand Prismatic Springs. And because we had already done Grand Prismatic Springs that e- the evening prior, we didn't have to stop and, and ogle at the lookout and that kind of thing. So we were able to just sort of get there early and, and blow past that area that was already starting to gather people and then get on into the Fairy Falls hike, which is just a lovely, if you know, first day, first introduction to hiking the area. Pretty much anyone can do that hike, kids and older people. It's not much of an incline and it's just a pretty well-traveled hike. There were grizzlies that were sighted there early in the summer. The trail was closed for a while. So, but by the time we were there, I think it'd been about five days since the last grizzly sighting. And it was, it was, I think, trafficked enough that maybe they had moved on. So another recommendation, of course, if you're going to be out hiking in that area is to always have your bear spray with you to hike, to hike in groups. So two or more where you're uh, making noise and having conversation, you might consider having a bear bell on your pack. It's not a deterrent. It just lets them know that you're around because you don't want to come up on a bear and surprise them, right? You want them to know that you're in the area. We did see bears on our hikes in Grand Tetons. So they're around, they're there. Be careful and be cognizant and have your bear spray with you. Know what to do if you see one. Right. And the, the park rangers are really good about advising you on things like that as well. So those those are good tips. Yeah, there's plenty of signage. Read the signage so that you're aware, so that you know when there have been bear sightings and you know what they recommend that you do. Right. And, and no bear selfies. Just leave that, leave that alone. Right. That's not... <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. I think every year you, there's a story about that, about people taking pictures with buffalo and things like that. So just just skip that. You can, you can skip that one. Indeed. There was a woman in Yellowstone who was too close taking a selfie with the buffalo this year, and she was, she was injured. Yeah, not a good idea. Well, <laughs> great tips, great insights. I appreciate it. Where can people find you online? Where should we send them? Sure. You can find me at uh, www.thehealthyhiker.com. Dot com. And I'm also at The Healthy Hiker on Facebook and on Instagram. I'm at The Healthy Hiker, H-I-K-R. Perfect. We'll link to all of that in the show notes. Thanks again for joining. I appreciate it. You're so welcome, Damien. It was great talking with you. I hope you enjoyed this talk with Alicia. If you are headed to a national park, you are certainly better prepared and you know what to expect. I do have the usual favor. Please help get the word out about the show. I would love to have more people enjoy safe travels and hear these tips from experts. You can share it with somebody. You can tell somebody about it. You can leave a rating. You can leave a review. Anything would help. Thank you very much. Safe travels.